Uh, Yaakov Katz has graciously uh, agreed to join us, and I thank him. He is editor-in-chief at the Jerusalem Post. Yaakov Katz, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Greatly appreciated. Uh, well, we know what happened in the Barcelona yesterday, and one of the uh, one of the things that actually your publication and your online presence always reminds us about, thankfully, is when these things happen, unfortunately, around the world, is uh, whether these areas are hot spots for Israeli tourism. What do we know about Barcelona and uh, whether it attracts Israelis or not during the month of August? Oh, you have a ton of Israelis who are traveling there in the month of August, right? Well, so, you know, I think... Uh it was just yesterday or, or, or tomorrow that they're expecting the largest volume of, uh, of Israeli travelers coming through Ben-Gurion Airport, departing and arriving, uh, reaching over 100,000 in a single day, which is a, a high number for Israel. But you have a lot of them that go to Spain. Spain is nearby. It's fairly relatively uh, inexpensive to get there. And there's a lot of travel holiday packages, flight plus hotel plus tourism and, and tour guide and that kind of thing. So you have a lot of Israelis who travel there. And also, let's not forget that this attack took place right outside a kosher restaurant, which a lot of, right. I think, Jews and, uh, and Israelis frequent over the years and are familiar with. So, uh, so it's definitely an area that's highly uh, populated and visited by Israelis and by Jews. I saw some report, like a fleeting report that I saw yesterday about um, Israeli authorities concerned about unaccounted for Israelis. Have you heard anything like that, where there, there are Israelis that are in Barcelona or known to be in Barcelona who just haven't been tracked down yet? Well, uh, what happens in Israel is immediately after uh, something like this happens, a terror attack on a, on a large scale, and we've seen the numbers of people killed and, it, and wounded, and this, is, this would definitely constitute uh, a mass casualty terrorist attack. Uh, and, you know, also the, the, the van and, and, and other terrorists involved. I mean, this is not just one isolated incident, and there was a second attack later in the evening. Right. So what you have is uh, at the foreign ministry, they, they set up the situation room, and there they start to uh, field phone calls from, let's say, concerned parents or concerned relatives of, you know, I've been trying to track down my brother, sister, uncle, aunt, father for the past few hours and haven't been able to get through to them. Can you help us? Can you, you know, use your people on the ground, the Council General, the Ambassador, other embassy Israeli representatives who are based in, Bar- in, in Spain to try to help? And, and that's what they do. Um, I think because of the location of this attack, you had the Prime Minister himself, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, who also serves in another hat as Israel's foreign minister, came to the Situation Room to oversee things uh, at some point yesterday, because I think there was an initial concern that you might have uh, a number of Israelis and, and Jews who would be injured in this attack. Uh, so he, he got involved himself on a personal level. But th- that's basically what happens is, as far as I know, you know, usually in these cases, it's people who just are off the grid or are partying or having a good time. And that seems to have been the case here as well. Yaakov Katz, editor-in-chief, Jerusalem Post. I, I don't even know if there's a, a, a an accurate way to answer this question, but uh, aside from um, aside from stepping up their own security, I can imagine, you know, Jerusalem restaurants and Tel Aviv restaurants, you know, were more concerned yesterday after this happened. And and besides the call for people, you know, to leave foreign countries and move to Israel, in what other ways do Israelis react to these types of attacks around the world? Is there a general sense that you could describe for us? Well, I think Israelis react to it in two different ways. One is, you know, it gives them a feeling of, What's happening by us is also happening other places in the world, that this isn't something that's unique just against Israelis and against Jews, right? Let's not forget. I think I saw it with like a CNN tweet or a little short video where they spoke, where they, they tweeted out where uh, um, uh, these kind of 
drive attacks, the ramming attacks have taken place in other cities around the world, and they neglected to mention Israel, right, or <laughs> Jerusalem, or Tel Aviv. I mean, these are, these have been happening, they were created, invented in Israel, right? <laughs> yeah. against Israelis, and now they're being used in other places. Uh, but I think that that's on the one hand. On the other hand, though, you get that, that, that exactly what the CNN tweet tells me is that double standard that we keep on encountering, right, is how as if Jewish blood is, is less valuable than, than other blood. And, and, and how, how is it, why is a ramming attack in, in, in Barcelona something that warrants to be included in that tweet, but a ramming attack that took place in Jerusalem where you had a baby that was killed a couple of years ago or other incidents like that don't, don't even get mentioned as if they don't happen. Like somehow those ramming attacks are different, right? Yeah. So it, it's important to keep in mind those two things, is that first of all, for the Western world, what happens in Israel, it usually just originates there, but it tends to spread. And we see this constantly. We saw that with suicide bombers, right? Remember when they started in Israel in 2005, just sure. as an example, they blew up in, in London, right? We saw that with uh, with ramming attacks just now, stabbing right. intifada we had in Israel. We saw stabbings on streets of Europe. Um, you know, this is something that spreads. And, and until the Western world realizes that and starts to condemn and act swiftly when it occurs in a place like Israel, it's going to continue to spread to their countries as well. On the double standard issue, remember after the Bataclan attack, the hesitation to include Prime Minister Netanyahu in the in the march and the and the you know observances that were going on in Paris. Of course, I yeah. remember. You know, and 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 they kind of pushed him. I remember in that march that they had to the second right. row, and, and there was a whole you know tumult about that. But look, it, it, the, the world has yet to realize that. Israel is at the forefront of this battle against terrorism. And until they, they recognize that, that simple fact, right, and give Israel the support that it needs, and I'll put peace aside for a moment. This has nothing to do with the Palestinian question. This has to do with the fight on terror. Only then will they also be able to effectively fight terror. Yaakov Katz, Jerusalem Post editor-in-chief. Let's go back from terrorism back to what you described earlier in, in tourism. And this 100,000 figure, we were in Israel uh, Tuesday, this quick turnaround landing with Nefesh Benefesh and coming right back. Uh, it, it's funny because I, I, I said to the people with me that it just seemed on a regular Tuesday afternoon, you know, I always think that, you know, the evening is more of a, a more traffic time in the uh, in the airport. Maybe that's only, you know, for New York area flights. But a regular Tuesday afternoon, it, it was almost impossible to navigate passport control, get through the crowds and to... You know, just make it through the airport. Is Israel? Is there any word about Israeli authorities at Ben Gurion actually having trouble with the number of people that that they've you know escalated to? Look, they beef up they beef up uh, employees and and presence in the summer months. But you know, it, 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 we tend to forget Israel is, a, is you know usually tends to look at a small little country, isolated, you know, besieged, right? But you have the 6 million Jews, 8 million Israelis, including 2 million Arabs. They love to travel, right? right? And they travel a heck of a lot. And, and you know, you, you'll, you'll probably hear stories all the time of, you know, I was in South America, I was in India, I was in, you know, Timbuktu or wherever, some far corner of the earth, and who did I bump into a group of Israelis? Right. They're, they're all over the place. <laughs> Plus Chabad's and, reputation is getting enhanced by all the Israeli presence around the world. Of course, right? Chabad has built up an empire because mm. of all these Israeli backpackers. But yeah. the, uh, the, the, the Israelis who travel, so... Come August, the country effectively shuts down, right? And people are, are you know, government shuts down. Uh, almost all offices go on break, uh, big offices at least. So y you have a lot of people who are traveling. A lot are going outside the country. I think, you know, I saw a statistic also not long ago how uh, around Pesach time, 
you had hundreds of thousands of Israelis who left the country. Now, remember, we're just 8 million people. At the moment, you have hundreds of thousands, <laughs> 400,000 people who left over Pesach. I mean, that's a significant percentage of your entire population, right? And, 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 you know, it was like a fifth of Israel's population. That's astounding. What other country does a fifth of its population actually leave, right? So, you know, you, you, Israelis love to travel. They love to see the world. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Israel is a small little country, but it also has, I think it shows a lot of of Israel standing today also in the world. You know, there are the challenges, there are the problems, but people want Israeli tourists. People are encouraging Israelis to come visit their countries because they know that these are, they're educated, they're smart, they spend money. You know, those are the kind of tourists you want to get. Yaakov Katz with us. He's editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. You reacted in an article uh, to what happened in Charlottesville and President Trump's reaction with, with many quotes. Here's one of them from the article. Being president does not make someone a leader. Leadership is attained through the actions of women and men who do what is right, even if it is not always popular. Trump failed in one of the most basic an elementary test. Now, you have sent this out and, and obviously made this public. Uh, the reaction to your article, people felt you were too truff, tough on Trump or not tough enough? Uh, to be honest, people thought I was quite tough. Right. But I, I think it was a moment that we as Jews, and I, and I definitely view my job as the editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, as the editor-in-chief of a newspaper that is the most important newspaper in the Jewish world and caters to, to, to the readers of the to the members of the Jewish world and the, mem- and the members of the Jewish community. And therefore, I think that when there is a, a, uh, an equation or there is a moral equivalence, it seems, between uh, neo-Nazis on one side, and, you know, they could be left-wing or alt-left, as the president called, called them, I don't know, right, on the, on, the, on the left side or on the other side, on the opposing side. It's something that we need to stand up and very clearly say this is an equivalence that we will not accept. And I think that, you know, 70-plus years after World War II, right, or after uh, the, the Holocaust, and to have these flags and people chanting, Jews will not replace us, walking through the streets of Charlottesville, and for, for the president to say there were some fine people among them. Well, I think when, when, when you have a march of where people are saying Jews will not replace us, no one who's in that march is going to be a fine person. These are all people who we need to oppose, and we need to be very clear on that. So I, I felt that as... You know, as, as, as the Jerusalem Post, we had to make a very clear statement that this is something that we, we are against. Now, with that said, that doesn't uh, you know, mean that I think the president himself is an anti-Semite or a neo-Nazi. Not at all. Far from it. But I think that you need moral clarity in a moment like this, and that was something that I felt was missing. So you're not, uh, you're not avoiding or denying the potential damage from the left. You're just looking at it as an, at, you know, in isolation it, as a separate topic, and that is that if neo-Nazis are marching— and, uh, and and certainly, you know, if, if, if one goes ahead and under, undertakes murderous activity, terrorism, uh, they have to be condemned unequivocally. Let, but let, let, me, let me tell you even more than that. You know, I, I grew up in Chicago before moving to Israel 24 years ago. My grandparents are Holocaust survivors. My grandfather, my grandparents lived in Skokie, Illinois, ah. and were very active right. in trying to prevent the neo-Nazis from marching in Skokie back in the late 1970s. Sure. Right. Jimmy Carter, who was then the president at the time, made a very clear statement, right? This is, you know, it was the courts that, 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 that this was taken to. The ACLU actually defended the neo-Nazis and the right for freedom of speech to, to, to march there, right. which is itself shameful, but put that aside for a moment. But he made a very clear statement that this is something that's unacceptable, right, as president of the United States. And I think that that is, 
that is something that we need to hear as well on, on issues like this. There are things that there are lines that are not crossed. There's no gray in some matters. And, and when it comes to these types of issues, you have to make a very clear moral and principle uh, statement. And that's what I meant with my with what I wrote, that right. quote that you said about being president. Being president isn't just getting to that lofty position. It's also about how do you take your people and lead them and steer them in a direction that is a positive direction. And this was that opportunity that I felt that President Trump missed. I, 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 and I'm not saying this applies to you seriously. With all due respect, I'm not saying this applies to you, but I think to a degree, some people find it difficult to take the media's criticism on a specific issue of the president seriously when they criticize him on every issue, when they have never have a nice thing to say about him. Look, I agree. I mean, I, I, I tend to also, you know, I read the New York Times, I read the Washington Post, I read what's called the mainstream media, you know, the MSM, what they refer to as the liberal media. Right. And, I, and I see uh, this, this obsession to constantly attack the, the, the president. You know, there's also a similar situation, by the way, in Israel right now, where there's certain media in Israel that seems to constantly be attacking the prime minister of Israel. Now, let me, let me give you that example. You know, we know how to be critical of Prime Minister Netanyahu. There's investigations that are going on right now. But we also know how to complement and... and and, and favorably cover where favor is due and where those compliments are, 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 are necessary. And, you know, so no, nothing is, is black and white. And I think also the same applies to the president. Look, his visit to Israel was astounding. I personally wrote in my name how it was historic on so many different levels when the president came to Israel a few months ago. Right. You know, so there's a lot of good in this relationship between President Trump and the Jewish community, between President Trump and Israel. Uh, ties are going to a whole new level right now as we speak. You have a, a, a very senior Israeli delegation that's here in the United States, right, from the, the head of Israel's Mossad, the head of Israel's uh, Amman, the, the military intelligence, Israel's national security advisor, are here meeting with the top National Security Council officials in, in America. Uh, General Mike Master is leading the U.S. side of those talks, right? Mm-hmm. So... Those, those, that relationship, the bilateral ties between Israel and the United States, are reaching new levels as we speak. But still, despite that, and we know how to, how to give that the right coverage that it needs, you also have to point out, and I think that's the job of a newspaper and the job of the media, is to be the watchdog for democracy, is when values that we hold dearly, and I think we as the Jewish community hold these values dearly, we have to speak up. Now, let's put politics aside for a moment. I know it's difficult, and I know that the environment is volatile, mm-hmm. and it's politically volatile, right. but there are some issues that you have to take a very principled stand on. Got it. Yaakov Katz with us. He is the editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post. Finally, and again, I don't know if it's fair to ask you for predictions, but we're so curious, especially from thousands of miles away. Uh, you just mentioned the accusations against the prime minister, and of course his wife is uh, is also a target of a potential indictment. I mean, number one, will either or both of them actually get indicted? And can you describe for us the level, low or high, of the accusations against them? Uh, that, that that's a difficult question to answer in you know just a few seconds. But the uh, excuse me for one second. Yes, sir. Sorry. The the the. the you have to divide into two. There's the investigations against the prime minister's wife, Sarah Netanyahu, that there seems to be a recommendation by the police. Well, there already is a recommendation by the police that to indict her for the housekeeping affair, right? right? The misuse of, of uh, state funds in running the homes of the prime minister, the one on Belfort Street in Jerusalem, as well as the one in Caesarea. That, that that's their private residence, but it is maintained a court by the state budget. Um, the attorney general has yet to make a final decision, but from reports that have been coming out in the press in Israel, it seems that the direction is going to be two press charges against her. That's number one. I, I you know, I wouldn't expect to see Sarah Netanyahu behind uh, prison bars anytime right. soon. But that, you know, that'll 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 be a uh, 
that will be an uncomfortable and inconvenient situation to have the prime minister's wife, you know, going to court and, and facing uh, charges. The prime minister is currently facing two, and I call it two and a half investigations. The first one is the gift probe. And there, you see, the problem there is that the dry law is very clear. You are not allowed as a state and government employee to receive gifts. Kalva Homer, right, even more so to receive gifts on an industrial scale, as it seems that Prime Minister Netanyahu was receiving from some friends, the cigars, the champagne, the jewelry, and other stuff, right? That is just completely illegal. You don't have to prove a quid pro quo. It's not as if I give you a gift and, you know, you, you put me on your radio show all the time, right? <laughs> that would be a quid pro quo. That's not the case here. It's enough just for you to get, for, for, for the Prime Minister to get the gifts for charges to be pressed. But here you have to ask yourself a simple question. Do you throw a government into political, or not a government, a country into political up, political upheaval? I mean, think about how much elections cost. Billions of shekels, right? It creates governmental paralysis because the moment elections are declared, all ministries basically have to shut down. They can't really function. No new initiatives. No big programs are going to be able to be pushed through. And that lasts for about a year between the election season to when you start to form the government to when new ministers come into office and they have to start to learn the ropes. So this, this, this basically throws the, the country into paralysis for a year. Is it worth doing that? Because the prime minister did something wrong, got gifts on a large scale, wrong, bad, according to the dry law. But do you want to do that because of something like this? There's no, if there's no quid pro quo, quid pro quo takes it to a whole new level, bribery, right? right? But that's the question I think that the attorney general is grappling with right now. The second probe has to do with the Yidiot uh, um, the those conversations that were recorded between him and the owner of Yidiot Achronot, the large mass circulation newspaper in Israel, that it seemed that Netanyahu was offering to cut back on circulation of Yisrael Ayom, a paper owned by Sheldon Adelson, which he's close to, um, in exchange for more favorable coverage of Yidiot Achronot. If that was the case, and Prime Minister actually acted on that, and that could actually be bribery. So that's something that's a little different. They're currently still investigating that one. And I say half an investigation because of the submarine affair, which I'm not going to get into right now, but could potentially at some stage also drag Netanyahu into it, although it seems at the moment that he's not. All of this together creates political vulnerability. And that means that, you know, when, when, when let's put it like this way, when there's blood in the water, the political sharks they, they smell it. And, yeah. and there's blood in the water right now. Netanyahu is vulnerable. He's a little more politically weak. And that throws everything up into the air. Will there be elections early? Will there not? How much longer will he be able to stay on for? Uh, what happens once an indictment is, is submitted and charges are pressed? There's a lot of big question marks right now. And, and that vulnerability makes other politicians feel that they can actually do something. So I would keep a close eye on this. It's, it's going to stay interesting for a while. So. And the most interesting part, as you just alluded to, will be checking out who's positioning themselves, who's who's becoming a bit more vocal, who's becoming, who's trying to become you know, more of a leader on the political scene in Israel. 100%. You've got the competing party heads who are definitely you know maneuvering as we speak. But also think within Likud itself, right? right? If Netanyahu goes, Likud will need a new chairman, and there's a lot of people there who are kind of jostling for that position. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting political season. I think once we get back, probably after the Chagim, things will start to pick up a bit more. You know, after Sukkot, so the, the Knesset is still on uh, is on recess until until after then, and then things will start to get a little more interesting. Yaakov Katz, can't thank you enough. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and have a Shabbat Shalom. You too, thank you. Yaakov Katz is editor-in-chief at the Jerusalem Post. Amazing analysis. Um, check it out. Go to J-Post. You can go to J-Post and see his uh, his articles, certainly, and obviously all the news stories that Jerusalem Post is on top of. 
on a regular basis, uh, hour by hour, minute by minute, frankly. Candle lighting at 729. Oh, that's interesting. On our app, someone just commented, our Israeli son is now traveling in Mongolia. First day, he met other Israelis. Yeah, I guess uh, what Yaakov just told us is 100% true. Seems every uh, exotic to, uh, well, maybe not so exotic country around the world is enjoying the presence of Israelis, especially this time of year. 